Welcome to Business Unfiltered, where we dive into the raw and unfiltered world of running a business with Mercer and Jeff Sauer. Grab a seat for this unfiltered journey into the world of entrepreneurship. This is Business Unfiltered. Welcome back to another episode of Business Unfiltered. Jeff Sauer here and joined as always by Mercer. And today we are going to be talking about a concept called the minimum viable resource. Now, I'm not sure if this is widely accepted in the world out there, but I started saying it. And so I guess if I've been saying it, it's a thing now. And so I want Mercer to come along and see if it's a thing for him as well and define this and let's talk about it. So Mercer, when you hear the word minimum viable resource, what comes to mind for you? I love the challenge that you've given me here. It's like, oh, I've defined this. Mercer, you go ahead. Tell me what I meant by it. I love that. So for me, when I'm looking at something like that, it's uh, one is the the resources, right? So uh, the, the you know product services, offers, funnels, staff, team, any, any resource that goes into building a business. And then the minimal viable part for me, I'm kind of translating in, in my head of like, what's the good enough to get going version for this resource to get it up and running just to kind of prove concept. And then we can come back and make it better later. Am I close? Yeah, I think so. It's, uh, you know, I, I file this into the pillar of your business of profit, right? So this is a way of getting profit in your business by not over hiring for a role that's, you know, very strategic role or a role that's expensive or senior. And instead of hiring somebody senior that has all their intellectual capital baked into their rate, who has all these efficiencies and systems, you're actually letting the system build the business, build the system. And then that system you leverage on your team so you can bring in somebody else. So a classic example would be, say that you wanted to do a analytics audit. That's a world that you and I play in, right? Well, you know, one way to do it is to hire a great person who has a system for doing audits, who's done a hundred audits and have them be a team member of yours, right? Well, they're probably going to be expensive because they've done it a hundred times. And that means that they're very senior and they might, you know, might cost them $3,000 in hard resources in order to get that done. Versus if you were to have a process, you said, click this button, go here, see what you see here, enter your details there. And you had somebody that you hired on Fiverr for five or $10 an hour, and you had them do 50 hours in it. Well, $10 an hour, you know, following your SOP, that's $500 that you give somebody to do this thing. And then you hand it over to your senior resource to just check and make sure it's good. Then you get it done for maybe $1,000 and you can charge the same amount. So basically it's saying, how do you make it so you're not always using the most expensive resource? You're using resources that are the minimum viable one, like viable. The other part of this thing, viable really means that it's going to be good or that's going to be good enough or up to your standards. So the real idea here is how do you leverage a process or um, how do you leverage lesser cost resources in order to generate profits in your business while still charging the same amount of money to the end client or less even. Yeah. As, as I'm, as I'm hearing that it, it really, you know, the reason I like, kind of like this concept is it, it filters two things for me, or it was sort of, um, you know, reminds me of two things. One is this is all about efficiency, right? It's not, let's bring in somebody who's got all these resources that we didn't have. So we, of course, now they're very expensive because we didn't have anything at all. So we had to, you know, use them. But instead you're like, listen, if you build the system and the system has the resources, now you, the, the inputs to that system, right? When you add team members or people or processes or vendors, even for that matter, they don't have to do as much because the system's actually doing the work yeah. and because they don't have to do as much. You don't have to pay them as much, therefore lowering costs. Am I kind of following right? 
Yeah, man, I'm, I'm exactly on the same on the same page, right? So this is something I discovered at our agency, and I think it does apply more to agencies than it might to somebody who's an in-house or in the client side, right? And, and what ended up happening was we didn't have systems that were reliable. And so if we sold a project, we would always hire somebody who's done it before, and they were, you know, we'd pay them as a contractor by the hour, and they might be 125 bucks an hour. And what we realized when we looked at our financials afterwards, if that person does $125 an hour and you and you have them do the hours that you bid, there's no money left over at the end of the day to pay in the business. You're basically breaking even on a contract that you outsource. And it's like, okay, well, that's not very smart. Why would I sell this deal if I pay all the money to the contractor, I'm the salesperson. I have to get some money for selling it, right? I have to get at least 10% for selling it. I'm project managing it. That's a 25% overhead or 25% of the cost. That's not something that this, we're still doing project management. We're doing everything but the the labor piece. And it just didn't add up. We were actually like, oh, if we sell this project, we're going to lose money. And so you start thinking, okay, well, why is this person worth $125? It's because they have tools for testing. They have tools for, for doing everything they have. They have the back catalog. And you're basically, they're, you're paying them for their systems. And so what it, what it started making me think was, how do you separate the systems you're paying somebody for, for the work that's being done because you can't really separate it when you pay somebody an hourly rate like you pay somebody a contract they're sort of bringing the whole enchilada to you right well you're i almost look at it as a tax on that by you not having systems that person is getting paid for their systems and that cuts out the margin in your business and so that's sort of how i arrived at this idea that it's like oh wow how do we just like maybe we can work with this person but how do we work with them less and work with our team more or work with somebody else more and use our systems to get that profit basically having systems in your business or process is a profit center if you do it the right way and a lot of people don't think that they think okay well i sold this project i just need to get it done i just need to make somebody happy right i just need to meet the deadline as opposed to i sold this project i should build the system so i can sell 10 of these things and that's where my profit comes from for example does that make sense yeah, it really does. I'm, I'm thinking like the kind of the McDonald's model um, here a little bit where it's like, okay, they, they are so process oriented on like, okay, fries are going to, it's this many fries that are going to go into a batch and it's going to go in the oil at this temperature for this amount of time with this much salt, right? And how it's packaged and all of that stuff. It's so process oriented that you don't necessarily have to have somebody that knows how to cook fries in the beginning. Right. Yeah. You can just sort of say, hey, follow this system and you will have good, consistent fries. The other thing that's a benefit on there um, that, I, that I think should be pointed out is you have um, it's easier now to find someone to use that system precisely because you don't need somebody who knows how to cook fries. Right. Because that's a certain skill set all of a sudden. It's like, well, I need somebody with experience. I'm only going to have X amount of people that have experience in this thing that I need and producing this result. But if you have a system. Right. Emphasizing that you've got a system that produces the result. Now you've got a wider audience of which to pull talent from. So it might be a little easier for you to find a players at that lower level for running that system. There'll be more of them out there, yeah. you know, be precisely because they don't need to have those skills inherent, which I think is uh, a huge benefit just in the, in the flexibility of how fast you can find people, you know, whether that's, you know, scaling up um, as you as you grow your business. Yeah. So I think that makes a lot of sense. And I, and I really like the thinking about it from a profit standpoint, like this is where the profit's going. And this is payroll is one of the biggest expenses every company has. You know, it's why you, you look at the tech companies. It's the first thing, any stock, any stock at all that's publicly traded, all the CEO has to say is we're letting go of 10% of our workforce, stock pops, yeah. right? Why? Because it's pure profit and they know they've got bloat. 
you know, all the investors know there's bloat. So the yeah. stock goes up, nothing really happens. Not like the company goes down. They typically don't. They just get more efficient. So I think this is a kind of an evolutionary thing that businesses go through um, for that reason. Do you have some specific examples of, of how you've kind of used this in the past? And I'm, and I'm curious, especially on the evolution of, because for me, it's all about these, you know, strategy is everything for me. Like the tools aren't going to save you, but proper strategies will, right? Yep. So how, like, how did you come up with this? Was this precisely because you were like, wow, I just sold a thousand dollar product and it cost me $2,000 to deliver it. Like, was that what was, was actually happening where you sort of forced you to come up with a strategy or what was the origin story? Yeah. Yeah. So a few, th a lot to unpack there and the, definitely I'll get into it. Cause I do have a real world story of how it affected our business or my agency business before we sold it. And, but, uh, you know, one thing I was going to mention, you, you mentioned like bringing in cooking fries and stuff like that. Well, if somebody at McDonald's complains about the fries, you still need a manager who can escalate things, right? You still need levels of escalation. You still need levels of right. approval, but on the front lines, things that don't change that much can be run by a system and they should be because that'll, that'll improve your quality, right? So quality control is necessary and it's expected in doing this, right? So I'm not telling you hire somebody cheap and then have the quality go down. We're expecting a similar or an acceptable level of quality. Just want to make sure right. everybody knows that we're not saying we still want fries that are cooked. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Like and McDonald's fries are the best fries in the business, right? That's what everybody always says. Like, they're the best ones. So yes, that means that they, that they're good. Right. Um, are there better fries if I did duck fat fries at my house or, you know, something like that? Yes. Those are better hand cut fries, but that doesn't, that's different. That's, that's boutique, right? We're talking about, you know, about, about getting repeatable work done. That's another thing I want to say here is like, if it's a one-off project, that's different than repeat work. Now, one of the, you know, so we, we hired a consultant. We've hired, we hired so many consultants at my agency, Mercer, about how to get our profitability up, how to run systems in our business, how to do all these different things. And they all sort of say a version of the same thing. And that is that you basically need to make investments in a system or an operating system. We used entrepreneurs operating system, even that we actually called it the operating system EOS from the traction book. And, and the, the variation of this thing is that you're getting taxed because you have expensive people. Now in our agency, over 50% of the money that we spent was on people. Right. Um, and they're like, you need to get that down to about 25 to 30% of what you spend in order to be profitable, in order to have a profit at the end of the year and to sell this business. And so basically you got to get your labor costs down and that's, that's a reality of everything, right? So, so getting your labor costs down was a mandate from anybody who said, if you want to sell your business, if you want to be more profitable, you need to do that. And that's your 10% right there with corporations, right? So that's basically get your labor costs down is the number one thing you can do to generate profits because people are the most expensive thing in like 99 out of 100 businesses, maybe not that like nine seventy five out of 100 businesses, right? Other than retail or things that have a huge inventory. And so, and so that's what we had to do. We basically, we had to look at our stuff. It's like, oh, we have people who are getting paid a lot of money. Can we do that with other people? Or if, if those people decide to leave our company, can we replace them with somebody junior and then use uh, SOP that they follow, right? Or in the case of, you know, even in my own business, like if I'm doing an audit and I put all my effort into it and I charge two, $300 an hour for my time or I value it at that, can I find somebody to do 80% of it and then I approve 20% of it and get it there? So can I 80-20 this thing? So a lot of this comes down to there's always 80-20 opportunities. 
Um, it's just whether or not you want to make that investment around. Is this a one-off project or a long-term project? Is this something that you do? Now, this, this trickles into everything you do, though, of course. If you're selling one-off projects, it's probably the reason why your company has a lot of ups and downs, right? If you're always doing things unique or bespoke or custom every time and you don't have any standards at all, you'll find that you are not profitable because everything is going into delivering that because there's no consistency, no, and, it, and it's actually harder to sell it too because you're not proven, right? So there's a lot of value. Well, in, and it's and it's harder to make a system out of that Yeah, because exactly. you're always you bouncing around on one foot to the other foot to the other foot and there's, there's no, because of that no consistency problem. Yep, exactly. I mean, there's a few people who can do it, but that's like more like the Mad Men stuff, right? That's like the big agency, the big ad agencies who all they need is two pitches to win a year and they sustain themselves, right? You have to really, there has to be kitchen sink. You can't be custom and charge and charge modular, right? You can't, you can't charge for a modular house or, a, you know, you can't charge for something that's, that's, that's not custom and then, and then not be custom, right? You, you can't do that. You have to be mixed together. So that's where the systems comes into play. So I think I get, you know, going back to my real world example, yes, every consultant said, how do you do the same work for less money? Or how do you do the same work over and over again? So you're not having to hire these resources. That was the the lesson that we learned. And it takes a while to get that going. It took us two or three years in order to get that point where we brought our labor costs so let down. Me ask, that month. Let me I'm ask out. a question at that point. Just at So at that exact moment, because what I'm trying to figure out is how did you determine when you look at all of what's going on in your business, this is before you've introduced this concept, right? How do you determine, oh, this is the thing that I need to kind of give this minimal viable resource yeah. treatment to, right? So so what I'm hearing is at the time, you had a, maybe a bunch of different projects, right? Where everyone's like hopping on one foot, go to another. Yep. Um, and the first thing was, which of these, like, do we want to keep? Like, which of these do we want to, which of these are similar as a category where we say, okay, this is a repeatable system that we can put on recurring or something like that. Like, is that kind of what you were doing? Or were you individually first say, okay, let's go do a profit analysis on every single one of these projects and then see like which projects are the most prop, prof, profitable or, you know, just ones, ones that weren't. And that's what was causing yeah. like that. You know what, you know what I mean? Like, was yeah, it, yeah. was it because you were, you found, oh, this is a consistent system that's got the, like, which one do you do first, I guess? Yeah. Yeah. So I think our process is, it was, it was as follows. One is you do a monthly financial report and you look at the numbers and you're like, okay, well this, this financial report says that we are not, we didn't make money this month. Um, okay, well, if we didn't make money or if we broke even, where where is the biggest expense? <laughs> and that's people. And then, and then you say, okay, well, if we want to make money next month, we need to look at, we can't just look at the overall people because you can't just cut people willy nilly, right? We need to break it down by service line. So we need to say what, what, you know, do you do time tracking and what, what service line is this people's time going to? And you find that some service lines are break evens, some are losing money and some are profitable, right? So you look at the ones that are profitable and you say, what are the characteristics of the service line that is profitable? One of them for us was paid, paid search. We made a million dollars a year plus in paid advertising, just the management of it. And we had two or three people working on it. It's like, okay, well, you take an average. And this is this is back of the napkin math. And you can do real math, right? But back of the napkin is you want to have about $200,000, between $150K and $200,000 in revenue per W-2 employee. That's the target for a company that will always be profitable. If you're, go, if you're at $200K per employee, you'll just make so much money. If you're at 150k per employee, you'll you'll do pretty well. And if you're at 100k per employee, you're in trouble, like major trouble, right? So that means that you're overstaffed. Like that's the back of the napkin way of doing it. And that's also how I see what how big a client potential is as well. I do the same thing. I just take their employees on LinkedIn, multiply it by 
150K and that's what I assume their revenue is. Um, so yeah, you do that and you're like, okay, well this thing, we make a million dollars with three staff. And then our web development area, which was a new thing, it's like, okay, well we have our web development, we have, we made 750K and we have five staff and it actually costs us a million dollars. So it's like, that's a loss leader in the business. And it's like, okay, well, is that loss leader something that, you know, do we just need to sell more projects in order to get that going? Should we emphasize that in sales? Or is that a loss leader that is, if we didn't do that, if we didn't have these bespoke websites, we wouldn't be able to sell the PPC deals or the other stuff. That's a loss leader, right? So is, is it a, is it a loss leader? Is it something that you just need to sell more? You sort of do that analysis as to what's going on because individual service lines are definitely not all created equal. Now there's two ways to look at it. One is, you can specialize and say, okay, I'm only going to do the thing that's profitable and let's just cut everything else out and we're immediately profitable. That's sort of throwing the baby out with the bathwater a little bit. The other one is how do we bring the cost down in the thing that isn't leveling up right now? Did we overinvest in it? And the third one is how do we make more money in the struggling service line so that it performs like the successful one? Now, all three of those things are viable outcomes that businesses do all the time. Um, when people say they're niching down, they're basically, that's, that's what they're doing essentially is they're looking at the profitability of each service line and they're saying, okay, this is the only one that's profitable. Let's just go all in on that. Um, people who are lowering costs or offshoring things, they're in the middle one, the one, the, the second one that I said, which is basically how do we bring our costs down to do this thing, to be in line with our revenue that we have. And then the third one is we go all in on selling. We prospect, we try to get more people and we get better at sales so we can right size the ship on that, that piece. Those are all viable outcomes. Um, I've done all three of those outcomes at different points. Which one do I think is the best one to go? Um, it is very nuanced. It depends on if you want to be a, you know, a couple million dollar niche focused agency and and just be super profitable now or if you want to be a full service agency and sell it for a bigger multiple later those are really the options you have generally speaking the best option is um sell more or lower your labor costs or both yeah that makes sense to me and when i'm thinking about the efficiencies of the business this is where it feels like the all the ai stuff we've been talking about also comes in because you're like okay i've got this good person you know, you might even have the right person in the right seat, and maybe there's a capacity problem, right? It feels like where maybe the profit center is growing a little bit. There's more people going back to the audit thing. Maybe there's more people that want to do audits, but you can only sell five a month because this person spends four hours a day doing those. But in reality, you could bring in a tool, right, or AI or something like that to help make them more efficient, you know, which is a lot of these tools are so cheap, especially the AI stuff. So for a little bit of spend in a, a new tool, you can unlock their efficiencies, right? without having to add another, another person, which is maybe where a lot of people go. It's like, well, let's just throw on another, you know, another team member onto the thing. And then you get this bloated payroll. And it sounds like this was the main, like, was this really the main thing that you were trying to tackle was just bloated payroll as a, as a main sort of consequence of this? Like, is that what caused the, this concept to pop out or was oh, yeah. it just the, like, cause that's, for me, it is. I mean, I, I look at it. I'm like, that, that is the, that is the hardest expense because it's easy to grow right? It feels good when you're giving people jobs and it's hard as an entrepreneur to let go of people. I don't, you yeah. know, I think it, it just is uh, for most, not all, uh, but for a lot, right? And maybe it's just, you get better at it with age. Um, but it, for me, it's hard, right? So it's like, it's the hardest expense for you to decrease because there's so much emotion around it. So, you know, I love that idea of, wait, before we add a person to this, what else can we do? Yeah. Um, and that's kind of what it feels like this concept is. I love what you're saying there, Mercer, because that's that's exactly how it came about is like, first of all, payroll are people like people are expensive, but people are people, right. they're friends, they have families, everything like that. You got to take it seriously. 
Um, and you want, as a business owner, I think everybody wants to be generous within reason and they want to, they want to spread the wealth, you know, how much they do is another story, right? But everybody right. wants to have enough in the pie that they can give it out to people and give them and be the, a great employer. I think everybody sets out to do that and they want to as long, but, it, but a lot of times it comes down to, are they making enough money to be generous, right? You have to have your, your needs taken care of. So business owner wants that. And so it's easy to bloat payroll during the good times. Actually, as we record this, we're in the good times right now. And I know a lot of people who have bloated payroll because of the 2020, 2021, 2022, the craziness, you know, right. um, I've, I've actually heard more people say they're laying off people in the last month than I had in the last 10 years. Like people are like, yeah, we got to do a layoff. We have it going or we laid somebody off this summer. It was tough. Like a lot of that's happening right now. And the reason is because you can, you can adjust for cost of living. You can do all these things. You can do, you can adjust for inflation, but eventually it becomes, if, if you lose a client, you're more vulnerable, right? So when you raise right. everything out there, you expect the revenue to come in. And if the economy, if people aren't spending as freely as they, as they have, which is happening this year, it's absolutely happening in 2023. People aren't spending as freely. It might happen again in 2024 at least for a while, then that, what that ends up meaning is that, um, you get bloated, you're out of, you're out of whack. Right. So that's why layoffs have to happen or why you might say, okay, well, if this person leaves, we're not going to replace them with that same level of seniority. That was really what happened with us, right. Is like my agency and, and in general is like, if somebody senior rises through the ranks and gets paid more and you're the good employer, you don't replace them with the same person when they leave. You actually go back and replace them with what I call the minimum viable resource. You right. touched on something really important here, and that is AI is becoming a minimum viable resource in a lot of companies, and it's and it's going to be even more that way, I think, as it goes along. So yes, if you, if you get bloated in one area, um, one thing you do is you have that person document what they're doing as much as possible, and you sort of take stuff off of their plate so they can take on more overall. That's one way to do it. So like, hey, you're a you're a hundred thousand dollar a year resource. Um, I want you to document everything and approve things. And I'm going to get you either AI or a tactical resource to do a lot of your work. But I want you to be able to take on two times as many clients. So you have to do yeah. more with less. Right. Or more with more, if you will. So there are ways to, to go around it. That's something that you can do. But ultimately, Payroll can be bloated. It is bloated right now for a lot of companies. You can either lay people off or you can um, add more onto somebody's plate and do more with them, right? And that that's ultimately what your options are. And we arrived at that because we weren't making any money, man. <laughs> like there were times yeah. where we didn't make any money. So yeah, that's how you arrive yeah. at it. It's like, okay, we actually, on our financial statement, it says we made $0 this month. How do we do that thing? How all, do we get better? All that work and nothing left yeah. over. Yeah. Right. And yet everybody's getting paid every two weeks, right? Everybody's getting paid on yep. time. They're getting their 401k They're You know, people are complaining about benefits and all that stuff. And yet there's $0 coming in. Like our bank account right. is the exact same when we started and when we ended, or maybe even lower because of cash flow and stuff like that. So sometimes you just, that's the reality you face. And then just, you have to make a tough decision. It's either the person or, or, you know, or, or it's, it's whatever it is, it's tough, right? Because during the good times, yeah. it's bloated. Right. Would yeah, you, exactly has that ever right. happened to you before? Do you know what I'm talking about? Is that, no, it's, resonate? you know what, you know, what's really funny is, uh, it's happening right now to me, yeah. um, how timely this is. Um, and it's the exact path. I'm really, I'm happy to have this topic at this exact moment in time when we're recording this because recently, and you don't know this yet. So this is breaking news, uh, for you. Uh, and of course, you know, the listeners that are out there, but the, I, the, uh, our marketing director recently came to us. 
uh, and left, you know, and, and put in his notice and, you know, um, and, um, and went to pursue other opportunities on, on his own. And it was, um, I think a combination of, he was able to, he's been with us for years, which was, which was great. I mean, super grateful for him getting us from point A to point B because he definitely leveled us up. Um, but we, we were not able to get to our, to our next level. And him mm-hmm. and I have worked on this for a while. And I think this is where I say the entrepreneur, like, you know, it, it's just really hard to have these conversations, but we were having difficult conversations. And I think at a certain point, you know, he um, just did a better job of realizing the situation that I did probably mm-hmm. and fell on the sword, which is yeah. really hard. It's really hard, um, I think, to quit a job. Um, so so he came to me and said, OK, yeah, this is this isn't working. I, you know, he's he wasn't going to be happy. I wasn't going to be happy. And between the two of us, he had more guts than I did, mm-hmm. you know, I think, to be honest. And so he he left uh, very recently. I made the immediate decision to not go out there and rehire somebody for his role. Instead, I was, I forced it on me. I took over that role. Mm -hmm. Now that wasn't because I have nothing else going on. That was a a systems decision on my behalf because I said, in order for me to do this role in even a shadow of what he used to do, I'm going to have to force myself to use AI, to use automation, to use this no code tools, to really dive in to do that. Um, and we're putting out this entire brand that does, that is, um, that is that. So it's the journey of an entrepreneur going, how do I do this with less people, with less resource or less people, let's say not less resources, but less, you know, human performers. Um, and how do you leverage the ones that you already have using AI automation, no code. So I'm, I'm taking it, um, exactly like, I think you're, you're talking about it, which is, Hey, don't just go out there and hire somebody. It's like, Oh, we, we need a headcount. Let's add the, Let's replace the headcount. It's like, or do we? Let's look yeah. at the system now. How do we improve that system so that we don't necessarily need somebody that's at that caliber, right? Like he was incredibly well-trained, very talented, knew a lot about a lot of different things. And going forward, I don't know if I'm going to need that exact type of caliber person yeah. because I'm going to make the systems do a lot of that, that work, uh, hopefully, right? At least the 80% so that I can have somebody that can, more of that editor role like you were talking about. Um, that's the, you know, a little bit more of them, hopefully a little more systems oriented, um, to work with those systems and I can get the same results, even if it's just me for now. Yep. So I'm, I'm absolutely living this moment, um, as you, as you talk about it. And I think that's exactly what it is. I didn't call it minimal viable resource till now, but that's exactly what it is. Yeah. That's thank you for sharing that and being vulnerable on the podcast. You know, like it's, it's tough to say that and to put it out there. And uh, I mean, I had a very similar thing. We, we, we kept on hitting the same plateau and my copywriter, who was my marketing guy, he's like, I just don't think we can do it. This thing, and he fell on his sword and left. This is in 2021. And I didn't replace him right away. Even though I wanted to, I just, I knew that I needed to go back to the drawing board and I did some patchwork yeah. stuff and the patchwork didn't really work well for me. Like I started doing it and writing and stuff like that. It wasn't very solid, but that was before AI tools. But, um, you know, I, I, I think that that is something that, this could be a whole other episode we probably should is like, when should the business owner step in and take control of their fate? You know, when, you know, you trust people, right. what if, if you're not hitting your goals, when do you step in? I'm stepping in, in some ways in my business too, that I hadn't been before and being more hands-on, but not, not in the, my marketing director, knock on wood, he's, he's amazing. And, and hopefully he's, it's, it always stays that way. Right. But, but I'm stepping in and, and helping more with the strategy pieces and helping more with the big picture vision and just sort of like, giving us the the system for what our expectations are. So I'm stepping in and helping with some of the expectation systems and where what we can be in a good scenario, best case scenario. So definitely 
coming in and out is important, trusting people in their roles, but also being a strategist and guiding people is a very important thing, right? So sometimes you need to be more hands-on. Sometimes you need to be more hands-off. It's like the, the Ben Ben Horowitz has this thing called the, um, from Andreessen Horowitz, the VC firm, he calls it wartime CEO and, and peacetime CEO. Right. I actually think that I'm better as a wartime CEO than a peacetime CEO. And a lot of people are, right? Peacetime yeah. means that everything's going well. You just let people go. Wartime is when you're facing some kind of adversity and trying to overcome it. And so I think that right now, I mean, we're heading into 2024 and I'm I'm almost certain we're not even in our predictions episode yet, but that, that 2024 is going to be a challenge, more challenging than 2022, 2021 were even, um, and about as challenging as this year. Hopefully, at least it's only the first half of the year, but I think people are going to have to make these tough decisions come hands on. And then I think that you know, a lot of people are not going to be replaced necessarily if they decide to move on because of this, this yeah. thing going on here. So it's a bold yeah. move to leave at this point in time, because I do think that it's going to become a buyer's market for, for resources and so on. Right. And I think that it's going to be a lot more people entering the job market and it's an all probably happen at once. So, um, very scary to say that and to hear it, but I think you're right. I mean, like this is ultimately AI, and minimum viable resources are going to be the next wave. And this is what happened in the last recession. We grew during the last recession and it was the exact same thing. We'd bring people in who were sort of discarded by other companies or they were let go or they, they wasn't working and they like people who had run their own business, they couldn't, it wasn't working anymore. They couldn't get clients. They became employees of ours and they rode the wave for a while. But then around 2012, 2013, when it got frothy, all those entrepreneurial people went out and did their own thing again once things got better. Right. So I think there will be right. some there will be a lot of consolidation happening here in the next year or so. Um, and that'll be interesting because it will will basically make it so you can the minimum viable resource might be somebody who has the experience, frankly. And it also might mean that the the bloated expensive things are gonna be either they're gonna you're gonna make it so I, I don't wanna say this in a bad way, but but either they're gonna see the writing on the wall that they uh, that they need to go, or they're gonna or or you won't have a choice but to do that. So that's really interesting, yeah. Mercer. There will be upcoming shifts in the marketplace. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. There's a little a little preview of the prediction episode. I know, it's really, um, yeah, I hate being gloom and doom, but it's, I'm, I, I wasn't, I'm not always certain that it's going to happen, but I'm certain that, that this is going to probably happen in the first half of next year and it's going to be pretty brutal. Well, this is why we're doing this podcast now, so that yeah. you and I could could think. I mean, honestly, it's part of the part of the benefit of this for me is just you and I being able to think things through as we guide our own companies. And what we're doing essentially is just journaling that process yeah. down for everybody else to to listen um, as we go through. So um, as we as we wrap it up, what sort of final thoughts? I know you know I I, didn't, I literally wrote this down. I was like, make sure if you're at Jeff's house, you ask for his duck fat fries. That's <laughs> that's my takeaway. Jeff knows how to cook some fries. Yeah, but man. other than that, what final yeah. sort of final well, thoughts do you have and, on the, the are, minimal viable resources? Yeah, man. So yeah, aside from cooking analogies, which I use way too much in my life and business, um, I, my big takeaway and, and just my final thoughts are, man, I, I started out with this thing just talking about a positive way of hiring a lesser resource than you than you had before or than you need by using process. That is still the concept here and it still makes sense. It does not always have to come at the expense of somebody who's senior. A lot of times it just allows a senior person to do more. It, it's a it's a multiplier, force multiplier for them, right? Basically, I, I divide people into tactical management and strategic resources, those three buckets. And I try to get somebody to be doing all of their bucket all the time. Right. So 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 trying to make them specialty. So you can specialize within what you do in an organization and the organization benefits from it tremendously. And so that's that's how I look at it is that you you probably don't need 
as an expensive resource to do something, but you don't want to cheap out either. And the multiplier, whether it's cheap or expensive, is really how good the systems are inside of your business. Would you agree with that, Mercer? Absolutely. 100%. Awesome. Well, thanks for everybody, everybody for joining us on this episode. This is a good one. Um, this is going to be in the Hall of Fame episode, right? So um, appreciate your thoughts on it, Mercer, and we will see you in our next episode. And if you like this, if you liked our vulnerability um, and you want to leave a review, please do leave us a review on your favorite podcasting platform and say, this is the real stuff that people talk about, not the, un, you know, this is the unfiltered stuff, the raw stuff, the real stuff, as opposed to what other people talk about, they're glossing over, they're doing survivor bias, they're only talking about the good things. We talked a lot about some of the challenging decisions we had to make in order to be profitable and to stay in business for our businesses. And as always, thank you for listening to Business Unfiltered, and we'll see you in the next episode. And that's a wrap for today's episode of Business Unfiltered with your hosts, Mercer and Jeff Sauer. Be sure to subscribe, leave us a review, and tell a friend what you've learned today. Want to connect? Visit us at businessunfiltered.fm. This has been Business Unfiltered, always unapologetically honest.